All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts what follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You ready, Tricky, babe? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh. Hey, yeah. Outcast. So it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're doing our podcast, and uh, we just got home. And on the way home, we're driving by a gas station, and Kat likes to... When she tries to remember something, she likes to sing herself a little song like, Don't forget the toilet paper. Don't forget the toilet paper. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be wiping our butts with Band-Aid wrappers from the trash can. You know, things like that. It's a trick that I learned from uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character in The Long Kiss Goodnight. We're driving home and she starts singing, Guy in a gold SUV pumping one gallon of gas at 237. I'm like, what? Why do you need to remember that? And she's like, yeah, you're right. He's not going to burn a house down. He's probably just going to mow his lawn. It's I think it's reasonable. I, I think it's it's amazing that you see somebody pumping gas into a one gallon container and you immediately go to arsonist. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me alert. <laughs> it's how I keep track of stuff. It's the Box of Oddities. Theboxofoddities.com is our website. It's also why I've called the police more than any other person I've ever met, ever. <laughs> that's that's true. In fact, when the last time you called them, they answered, hello, Katrina. <laughs> it's true. They knew it was you. It's true. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, hi. Hi. Yes, hello. It's wonderful to have you here. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so via email. Curator at theboxofoddities.com. Or on all of our social media. Yeah, we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we have merch. Yes, we do. We have merch. You can find the link on our website. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, onesies, <laughs> even. A box of oddities onesie <laughs> for your infant. Tapestries, throw pillows, which I will have a box of oddities throw pillar pillar <laughs> i love the throw pillar yeah. Yeah. Hey. manly yes but i like my throw pillar too 
what a lovely sack of potatoes you have there. Potatoes. Potatoes. Anyway, let's focus. Okay, I'm sorry. So merch, yeah. Also, the other announcement that we alluded to during the last episode, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Well, you didn't allude to, I mean, you just said it. I didn't say you it. You did. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're going to do two episodes a week, and we're super jazzed. I'm a little nervous, because it seems like a lot of work. Yeah. It's... But it's fun, and I just, I so enjoy doing it. It's just that, that whole research part that goes into it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'll tell you what really kind of uh, motivates me to do two episodes a week is the response that we've been getting. I love reading the comments and, and getting the emails, and uh, it's just... It's just a lot of fun. The feedback is really, uh, I don't know how to put this without sounding like um, 100% completely self-absorbed, egotistical puffy pants, but um, I like hearing nice things about me. And I like hearing nice things about my puffy pants. They're great, great pants. So I go first this week, and um, I I think you're going to really like this one. This is kind of a mix of history and bizarre, unexplained stuff. Yay. Okay. We haven't watched season five of American Horror Story yet. We've kind of lost track of that show. I think we got into, what, season four? Yeah. Season five is uh, is Hotel, and it is based loosely on the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, California. The Cecil Hotel, a haunted hotel. A hotel that garnered the name The Suicide Hotel because of all of the suicides and unexplained murderous acts that have taken place there in just bizarre circumstances. Have you ever been there? Because you, I mean, you you lived in L.A. for a while. I've not been to the hotel, uh, the Cecil Hotel. I've not been there. That's uh, downtown. It's on what they call Skid Row. <laughs> 75 bucks a night in uh, Los Angeles, you can imagine. You don't even get your own bathroom. Oh. Half of it's more like a hostel than it is Got it. a hotel. It used to be... Hostelleria. It was built in the early 20s, and uh, 1924. Acknowledge my Spanish. Bueno. It was originally constructed in 1924 for a million dollars, mm-hmm. and at the time, that was a good chunk of change. Well, it still is, but, you know, back then it was even more so. And it was considered to be one of the, one of the nicer hotels in the area. But then the depression set in, and uh, it, it hit some bad times. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just pictured the building, like, getting depressed. Like, you said the depression set in, and I pictured the building being like, I'm in a bad part of town. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't a bad part of town then. I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> It became a bad part of town during the Depression, and uh, I guess still is kind of a sketchy area, yeah. uh, skid rowish as they call it. But when it was built, it had an opulent marble lobby, a stained glass windows, potted palms, alabaster statuary. It was a nice place. Nice. And uh, this is according to Wikipedia, by the way. The hotel uh, flourished as a fashionable destination through the 40s. But uh, then it, it began to decline as the economy was, was not getting any better at the time. And by the 50s, the hotel had gained the reputation as um, a residence for transients, but also was called the Suicide Hotel because of the disproportionate amount of suicides that have taken place at the Cecil Hotel. But it's not just suicides. All kinds of weird, dark stuff has happened there. For example... In uh, 1944, a 19-year-old 
uh, was awakened with severe stomach pains in her room at the Cecil Hotel. And she gave birth and she didn't know she was pregnant. Oh, my. And so what do you do when you have an unexpected birth on the 14th floor? You uh, you throw the baby out the window. <gasps> oh, yeah. my God. That's awful. She was 19? 19 years old. She didn't want to wake up her boyfriend, I guess, so she made the decision on her own. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. Toss the baby out the window. That's awful. One of the suicides happened uh, October 12th, 1962, where a woman jumped out of her hotel window. It was the ninth floor. She plummeted to her death. Unfortunately, she fell on 65-year-old George Gianni, who was just walking by, and he was killed as well. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, your last act is going to be to take someone else's life because you are taking your own. That's super awful. Unintentional, but... This is a way... This is a bummer. It gets more bummery. Oh, God. We're going to reach maximum bum factor here. (laughs) Sounds like a really amazing Simon Cowell-fueled talent show. Maximum bum factor. Yes. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. On June 4th, 1964, retired telephone operator Goldie Osgood, known to the locals as Pigeon Goldie, because she loved to feed the birds in Pershing Square in L.A., uh, was found viciously murdered in her room at the Cecil. Oh, my goodness. She had been strangled, stabbed, and raped. 1937, a 25-year-old Grace McGrow died as a result from either falling or jumping. They're not sure if she jumped or fell. From the ninth floor, again... She didn't hit the ground. She got she she landed on telephone wires and got all wrapped up in that oh. and uh, didn't die immediately. She died at the hospital later. Oh, that's awful. Can you imagine witnessing that? No. That would be, oh, that's, that's rough. By the way, if you want to visualize where the hotel is, if you've never been to L.A., you know the video, uh, U2, where the streets have no name and they're playing on the roof no. of a building? Okay. Those of us from the MTV generation do, and um, it's uh, it's actually, as you watch them play, you can see the hotel in the background. Oh, okay. It's like right next door to uh, to the Cecil, which, by the way, now is called the Stay on Main. They've changed the name. I wonder why. <laughs> in 1976, Jeffrey Thomas Paley was arrested when he climbed to the top of the roof with a high-powered rifle and started thinning out the neighborhood. Oh, my goodness. Man, you weren't kidding. There is a, there's a lot. I'm just getting to it now. I'm not going to believe the rest of this shit. Who else lived there while they were killing people? The Night Stalker. What? Richard Ramirez, serial killer rapist known as the Night Stalker. And this is according to Ranker. Terrorized Los Angeles and San Francisco from 84 through 85. 13 victims were killed. He was a practicing Satanist. During the time, he was uh, breaking into homes in and around L.A. and assaulting, murdering, raping, and robbing. He was a guest at the Cecil Hotel. There has been speculation that uh, he perhaps murdered some people while he was in the hotel. I did not know this. In the hotel. Ramirez stayed in a room on the top floor. He paid 14 bucks a night for a place to return after committing his unspeakable acts. All said and done, there have been at least 16 suicides. Whoa. Several murders. But there's been a lot of, besides the murder and the Satanist stuff and the suicides and, you know, there's also been some really strange, unexplained phenomena. Really? Here's one I know that you know of, but maybe didn't know it was at the uh, Cecil Hotel. Is it Lamb? 
Elisa Lamb. This freaks me out. You may remember, this was in, uh, what was it, 2013. She was a Canadian student. This again from, uh, from Wikipedia. She was um, visiting L.A. just as a tourist on her own. She stayed at the Cecil Hotel. She disappeared for a couple of weeks. They didn't know what happened to her until they found her body in uh, the water tank, one of the water tanks on top of the hotel, which seemed impossible to access. And subsequently, they, they released uh, security camera video from the elevator. You're starting to freak out a little bit because you're remembering this. This security footage of this elevator and, and her, it, this this whole, it freaks me out so much and I I hate it. Well, it's just so weird and unexplained. She gets in the elevator. Mm -hmm. She looks like she's being followed. She gets in the elevator. She starts punching a bunch of buttons in a particular order. She looks out the elevator again. She comes back in. She backs into the corner like she's hiding from somebody. All the time, the elevator doors do not close. Mm -hmm. They're just staying open, even though she's pushed all these buttons. She gets back out. She looks around the corner. She seems to be talking to somebody. She's she's gesturing with her hands and making some really, like she's petting a giant dog. That's how it's been described. Just acting really strange and unusual. People thought, they're, they're speculating that perhaps some kind of paranormal um, episode was, was taking place. Because right after that, she disappeared. And then they found her in the water tank on the 15th floor on the roof of the hotel. And the only way to get to it at the time, they thought, was uh, through this one door, which was locked and had a security alarm on it. And only hotel employees could could open it without the alarm going off. Later, an investigator determined that, uh, yes, you could get to the roof if you went out through the fire escape and you had to kind of climb up over the edge. You, you could do it. Right. It's, it would be very difficult and awkward to get up onto the roof that way. And then the water tanks were over eight feet high. There were no ladders. It was a trap door in the top. How did she get up there, get inside and close the lid? Right. There, there was, I have read that there, uh, that exit was a place where some employees would go to smoke. So there were some people who believed that if it had been propped open by uh, an employee, um, maybe, maybe she got out that way. But even in that case, it would have had to have been propped open at that particular time. And she would have had to have, I don't know. I mean, it's not like she had to know that it would be propped open, but it seems unusual that those things would have happened at the same time that she was looking for an exit and that it had been propped open at that exact time. Do you want to bring the dogs in? Yes. Willie wants his own podcast. Come on. <laughs> Settle down. So yeah, that is possible that it was left propped open and um, perhaps she wandered out there. But how did she get up eight feet onto the tank? Right. Open she the lid. Was a pretty a petite little lady. Tiny little lady. But yet they found her inside the tank floating face up, completely nude, after two weeks. Yeah. Her story is so upsetting uh, because there are so many unanswered questions. And because I remember reading that um, she was calling home on a regular basis because she's on vacation. So 20, she's touching base with her family. 20 years old. And the the way, you know, her family was like, hey, she hasn't touched base. It's just, it's sad. Well, here are some uh, some of the theories of what happened. Some people say she was tripping on drugs. Uh, they 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 weren't able to determine. They they did not find any evidence of that. But she had been in that water tank for a couple of weeks. 
Some people think she was murdered by a hotel employee, and that that has some legs. Right, that makes sense because that door yep. would have been opened, and he could yeah. have, he I guess could have incapacitated her and got her up onto the or she or yeah or she. That's true. Then there's some weirder ones like uh, it was a government project. What? What? Yeah, some Why? sort of a invisibility cloaking project. It, it, that's just nuts. This one is interesting. More from a coincidence standpoint than anything else. They say she was a tuberculosis drug test subject. Uh, again, according to Ranker, as it turns out, the time frame during which Alyssa Lamb was staying at the Cecil coincided with a severe tuberculosis outbreak on Skid Row. And in most of the downtown area surrounding the hotel, the strange part, and this is weird, is the TB test being used in the area was the enzyme-linked immune sorbent assay, which is called... Lamb Elisa. They were testing a drug in that area for tuberculosis called Lamb Elisa. What? And her name is Elisa Lamb. I'm sure. I mean, and that's true. That's that, verified. That that's... is verified. Yes, that is true. What? Mm-hmm. And she was a tuberculosis no. test subject? No. Okay. It's just, okay. So that was going on in that area at the same time that she was visiting that area. Right, right. It's bizarre. Another uh, theory is that she was uh, sacrificed to the dark energy of the Cecil Hotel and had ties to Richard Ramirez and his, quote, disciples. They're still doing the Ramirez work? That's one of the theories. The hotel ghosts were tormenting her, and there have been... I didn't even get into all the ghost sightings. You wouldn't believe it. Right, yeah. And then, this is the one that really... This is what got me onto this subject. I came across an article on the elevator ritual have you heard of this it's also called the elevator game no it's a big it was anyway it was a craze that started in uh, korea and japan it requires a building at least 10 stories high and one player to enter an elevator alone and press a series of buttons in a particular order and to do certain things in between the floors and allegedly it opens a gateway to a parallel dimension the new dimension looks much the same except it's dark Electronic devices don't work. Once the elevator door opens, you see nothing outside the windows except a big giant red cross in the sky. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's out there. I read a lot of uh, links and comments from some people that have tried this. About half of them say it's, you know, it's bullshit. The other half say that something weird happened. And you can go and, and read the, the stories for yourself. Wow. And then to get back, there's a very specific pattern of things that you need to do. You have to push a series of elevator buttons in a certain order. What? If you don't do it, you can't get back from that dimension. There is also a warning about a woman from the other world who may or may not step onto the elevator on the fifth floor. You're not supposed to speak to her or even look at her. Don't acknowledge her because if you do, then you can't get back. Wait a minute. Was was Elisa Lamb on the fifth floor uh, when that elevator surveillance photo was? That's an excellent question. And I did some research on this. I did some hardcore research on this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You dug deep? I dug deep. She was actually on the 14th floor when when this was happening. Mm -hmm. But if you see her pushing buttons, Mm -hmm. I zoomed in on that. And you can't really tell what floor she's hitting, but you can see where the pattern is Mm -hmm. on the lit buttons. So I researched what kind of elevators they had, and I found actually uh, on a a guy's video uh, blog where he had gone to investigate this, a close-up shot of 
the exact same elevator panel. Mm -hmm. There are seven floors that you're supposed to hit in a particular order Uh to play this game. And from what I can tell, it looks like at least four of them. She hit at least four. Interesting. Of those. And it says that you're supposed to push the first floor, the last last floor you push is floor number one. And if your elevator doesn't move or goes up, then you need to keep hitting one in order to return to your dimension. And if you watch her, she's just hammering on this button before she steps out of the elevator and is never seen from again. So there you go. That's the elevator ritual hypothesis. Well, I mean, that's insane. Um, there's, it's, I mean, <clears throat> there are some interesting links there, uh, but yeah, that's ridiculous. It's, it's out there. But the thing is, the reason why that, that theory captivates me is I had never heard of it before. Sure. And I just came across it while I was researching things. So mm-hmm. the elevator ritual, what's this? And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like that Elise Lamb chick. Right. And then sure enough... <laughs> I oh, came so across it was like the reverse. Yeah. You weren't. Oh. Yeah. So for me, I went, ooh, <laughs> hey. Let me just ask this, and this may seem like an obvious question, but was the elevator ritual a thing before the Elisa Lamb? Another good question. Thank you. I researched that as well, too. The elevator game, <clears throat> I can date it back to the year 2000. So 13 years before All right. All right. She, um, she died. I came across, uh, I had mentioned this a moment ago on YouTube, a guy has a a site called My Haunted Diary. His name is James Edward Garcia. And he went to the Cecil Hotel and he tried to get that particular room and they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him have the room. The room is number 412, by the way. She was in room 412. Okay. They said, why do you want that room? Well, that room's not available. They were like, really, we don't want you anywhere near it. Um, so he had to kind of, his, his his filmmaking is real guerrilla filmmaking. He gets out there with hidden GoPros and he goes in places they don't want him to go and stuff. It's re- I found it really quite interesting. You should check him out. Okay. Um, again, it's My Haunted Diary, James Edward Garcia. During his stay there, he did uh, ghost box or spirit box sessions. You know what those are where they're, they, they're little electronic devices that scan through hundreds of uh, radio frequencies and the theory is that uh, spirits from the other side can use that to communicate. Okay. And so we started asking if Elisa was there. He had a room that was as close as he could get to her room. Mm-hmm. And he, you have to watch it. It's really, it's really a bit alarming. From what he, the information that he allegedly got through this spirit box is that she was abducted, taken up there, and murdered. That it wasn't anything any more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, is plenty, but it wasn't like supernatural or anything like that. So he used the supernatural to prove that it was not a supernatural event? Yeah, Uh that's exactly right. Sure. The interesting thing is, and he didn't point this out, but the the voice that came through had a uh, Cantonese accent. She was Cantonese. I thought she was Canadian. They had moved to Vancouver from... I see. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, interesting theories, and they go from the kind of obvious to the more bizarre. And it's mostly because of that elevator video, which you can find on YouTube. But the most likely explanation in my mind is that uh, she was bipolar and she blogged about it. She's quite open about it, Mm -hmm. about her bipolar. And she was on a lot of different medications. Mm -hmm. And it appears as though the elevator episode may have been a manic 
episode that she was having. And so that could go a long way in explaining what what happened. That's what I think happened. And I, I think there's a possibility that it was a combination of two things, that maybe she was having an episode and was taken advantage of because of that. I don't see how it's unreasonable to think that that one thing led to the other. Sure. I don't believe that having a bipolar episode means that you can find your way into a water tank that's eight feet tall. You know, I just, I think that the, the two things had to have happened at once. That seems like a pretty logical explanation. But even if you take the paranormal out of the explanation. Which for- I do. <laughs> I, I, I know you. I know. I know you do. I don't. Not entirely. But um, in this case, I would have to say that probably the most logical explanation is is that one. However, it does not take away from all the weird, horrible, dark things that have happened in that hotel. Yeah. I didn't even mention this. The Black Dahlia. Yeah. The last place she was seen alive. No. The Cecil Hotel. Really. Yep. I did not know that. There you go. Wow. And I checked on TripAdvisor. It has two stars. I mean, (laughs) it sounds like a place that you would book. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like that place we stayed in Orlando. I mean, I knew knew of that hotel and uh, some of its history, but not that much. I mean, whoa. It's, I, there's definitely something, something dark. That's rugged. Bodies raining down from the hotel like acorns raining down on our woodshed in the backyard in late autumn. I love it. Uh, <laughs> friggin' weirdo. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. All right, it's time for that thing in the middle. This was inspired by real-life Cat Jethro events. We were sitting on the, on the sofa watching a movie the other night, and just... Out of nowhere, Alexa on our Amazon Echo just says, Asteroid! And I didn't know whether to laugh or seek the nearest civil defense shelter. Asteroid. Asteroid. That's it. So today, people talk about the creepiest things that Alexa has done or said. Number five. I got my mother-in-law a dot for Christmas last year. She's a chronic insomniac and was up very late one night. Alexa piped up and said, Good night, Clarice. My mother-in-law's name is not Clarice. Oh my God. Silence of the lambs. Number four. In the past six months, I've had a handful of strange occurrences with my Echo. In the middle of the night one night, it just started playing creepy Halloween sounds. Like chains rattling and wind and who needs that at three in the morning? Number three. Mine just said, Sheep is Dolly. That was it. No prompt. No one was talking. Number two, the creepiest thing happened last night. We got home and totally unprompted. Our Amazon Echo slash Alexa started talking and just listing things off. And and I didn't know what it was. I uh, checked into it and she was just listing off local cemeteries and funeral homes. Ooh, (laughs) it's so proactive. And number one, not creepy, but wonderful. Echo is so rude. I'm sitting here watching TV and eating crisps, and she pipes up out of the blue saying, Here's a station you might like. Workout FM. (laughs) Fatty. Fat shamed by a robot. (laughs) This is a test of the Box of Oddities emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Had this been an actual Box of Oddities, 
I'd be talking a lot faster. Are you all set, Cat? I am. Are you prepared to dazzle and amaze me? I am prepared to fumble my way through yet another episode, yes. Excellent. Here we go. This, I have to thank Kristen for the suggestion. Um, I had never heard about this, and Kristen emailed us, uh, curator at theboxofoddities.com, and I looked into it. I loved it. I'm going with it. So here we go. Denver Airport. Oh, yeah. I remember this email coming in. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird stuff going on out there. So I got all this information from Kristen from BuzzFeed, Wikipedia, and Mental Floss. On February 28, 1995, the Denver International Airport opened its doors and its runways to the general public after falling over a year behind schedule and spending a reported $2 billion more than its original budget dictated. Wow. That's a lot of money. And people wondered where it had gone. The airport itself has uh, 35,000 acres, which is almost twice as large as the next biggest U.S. airport. Um, And word on the street is that the old airport was fine. Their reason for moving it, or their their public reason, was that um, the old airport was closer to the city center. And so they wanted to make a new airport that would not so much interfere like with the sound of airplanes and all that business okay. taking off or whatever. Um, but by all accounts, the old airport was cool, you know, whatevs. So delays caused by poor planning and repeated design changes and changing requirements from different airlines caused the mayor to keep pushing back the opening day. It was like 1993. Later in 1993, 1994, there was a millwright strike at one point. Other events meant the opening day was pushed back again to uh, later in 1994. And as the story goes, when DIA was first being built, five massive buildings were somehow built incorrectly. So they're they're making this place and then they were like, oh yeah, those aren't right. Instead of being blown up or otherwise dismantled, they were buried. The buildings. The buildings. In, in their entirety. Five giant buildings huh. were buried. Theorists say that a construction worker ultimately blew the whistle on this very weird practice, finding his testimony is um, almost impossible. There, there's, there are a lot of reports of underground buildings that were originally not underground and then tunnels that were built underground. In April of 1994, the city invited reporters to observe the first test of the new automated baggage system. This was a big fancy setup. Uh, Reporters were treated to scenes of literal clothing being batted about, uh, scattered beneath the system's tracks, uh, luggage being shot out from belts at human people. Um, it was like a scene out of uh, a children's movie, you know, where machinery goes awry <laughs> and then it starts yeah. like pew, pew, like, pew, pew, pew. Like the Jetsons. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the mayor canceled the planned opening of the automated baggage system um, and then finally terminated the plans altogether. And they just hired regular people to to do the baggage the way that other airports do it because for so many reasons, this just wasn't working out. And um, the word cursed was batted about. The 
Airport was dedicated on March 19, 1994, and a capstone was placed inside the airport to memorialize it. The dedication stone displays the Masonic symbol of a compass with a capital G inside, and underneath the symbol, the New World Airport Commission is credited helping to fund and build the airport. So what is the New World Airport Commission? Uh, officials have said that it was the Commission for the New World Airport. But the wording calls to mind the New World Order conspiracy. Right, right, right. The Illuminati. Exactly. And they're also being a Mason, a Masonic symbol, and the Masons being so in history, conspiratorially tied with the Illuminati. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's interesting. It's just a little interesting, is all I'm saying. I heard there's like some um, Nazi ties, too. Did you find anything on that? Oh, yeah. Well, some of the art inside the airport is a little sketchy, um, including the murals that line the walls on level five of the Jepson terminal. Um, the murals painted by artist Leo Tanguma. Tell the story of apocalyptic bio-warfare destroying the world as we know it, uh, with the New World Order taking over in its place. Hmm. And there's some imagery that looks very much like Nazi soldiers, um, kind of towering over, uh, cowering children, that kind of thing, uh, repeatedly in these murals. It's a little bit bizarre. Plus, um, the, the runways look like a swastika. That's what I had heard. If you take an aerial view of the uh, of the runways, they they look like a exactly like a swastika. Now, officials at the airport say that it doesn't look like a swastika. It looks like a pinwheel. It looks like a pinwheel. We said there is a uh, blue horse statue outside the airport. It is a Mustang, but it is nicknamed Blucifer by conspiracy theorists. Uh, it's a 32-foot-tall, 9,000-pound blue Mustang. Its eyes glow red at all hours of the day and night, causing some to speculate that the statue is meant to represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The uh, fourth horseman specifically represents death. I see. The creepiest part is that the statue's artist, whose name was Luis Jimenez, was killed by the statue. Oh, good. In 2006, before the statue had been completed, a piece of the statue fell on him and severed an artery in his leg, and he bled to death. Well, there you go. And they were like, no, let's put it up anyway. <laughs> it's nice. He's got all this work into it. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just hose that off. It's just, it's weird. It's weird that the idea, um, it, because of its creepy looks, that it's it harkens to the the fourth horseman of death, and and has killed someone also. Yeah, well, there's there, also that. There's also also the death that it, it was incurred in the in the construction of this fine piece of art. So Miami. you know, in Miami, uh, where they've got that kind of under the sea fossil theme on the the floor of the airport. Yes. That we looked at while we were running t over and over again to catch our flights, which we're repeatedly late for. Um, so I guess they have that kind of art on the floor of, of certain terminals, um, one of which it displays like um, a mine cart with uh, AUAG. And that's according to the uh, periodic table, gold and silver. 
A-U-A-G, um, which I I guess is like a nod to Denver and, you know, whatever. Uh, but A-U-A-G also has some sort of connection to airborne chemicals that can kill you. No. Like chemical warfare stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, they're in one of those murals where they show the the kind of Nazi figure. Um, he's got a like a spray gun, a, an air an air chemical spray gun in his hands, where it looks like he's spraying poison into the air. Could it just be maybe he has a leaf blower? He's doing some light gardening. I didn't look into um, that theory uh, as specifically as you can tell by my stammering. But I think (laughs) that that's interesting, too, because it kind of ties in there. But again, if you're looking for conspiracies, I I believe that it's very easy to find connections if you're looking for them. So that may be just a good example of of that. Sure, sure. And if they're going to do that much, they might as well just come out and have like in the food court like Mengele's Pizza. Or, or Hitler's pretzel hut. They might as well just be bold and put it right out there. That's one of the, the anti-conspiracists' points, is that if there were really things going on with the Denver airport, if it was really a hub for any sort of clandestine organization, they wouldn't have these things no. so that you would know. I mean... Or... Or they're extremely clever and they've turned it around and they put it out there just so people like you and I would say, well, if it was real, they wouldn't put it out there. Well, that hasn't worked because we're talking about it. Yeah, but if we're talking about it, it's worked. Oh, it's so confusing. I don't think that's accurate. You know, next time we fly through Denver, that's going to be very much on my mind. I can't. I'm thinking about booking a flight just so I can go check it out because I've never been and I want to explore. I've had a few a few layovers there on my way to L.A. It's, uh, it's a beautiful airport, but the artwork is creepy. So look for our next episode. I think it's going to drop uh, a couple days from now. We're going to do, as we said, two, two episodes a week. Live from the Denver airport. <laughs> no, I don't think they'll have us now. <laughs> um, and also don't forget theboxofoddities.com and there is merch available and have at it. Oh my gosh, if you buy merch, I want pictures i want to see you in your box of oddities t-shirts yes you can post it to any of our social media. i love that i started saying social media ironically and now you just use it it's 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 what all the kids are saying now <laughs> what all the youngsters say they say the social media well they're uh wearing their their bell-bottom jeans yeah, and they're listening to their boogaloo music their boogaloo music their flare pants would you stop all right fine they're ready for dinner all right So we'll see you in a couple days. Yeah, thanks for accepting us for who we are. And keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those who I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. 
theboxofoddities.com. On Facebook at facebook.com slash boxofodditiespodcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.